Welcome to the Inside Scoop Live podcast, where indie authors get personal about their books, their writing, and their passions. I'm your host, Sherry Hoyt. Join me for some lively conversations with debut indie authors and seasoned veterans alike. It's a great place to find your next amazing read or even get inspired. So sit back and enjoy the show and let me know what you think. Hi, everyone. Today, my guest is Julian Trist, author of Garvey Feinstein, Hollywood Predator. It's the story of the rise and fall of a lecherous Hollywood mogul named Garvey. Before we get started, here's the inside scoop on the author. Julian Trist is a fiction author from Canada who likes to observe the messed up aspects of human nature and make stories out of them. To learn more about Julian Trist and his work, visit his website at juliantrist.com. Well, hi, Julian. Welcome to Inside Scoop Live. Hello. Thanks for inviting me, Sherry. To get started, tell us a little bit about your journey as an author. Like, how long have you been writing and what influenced your decision to become an author? Writing, you could say pretty much, I would say forever. Like, I didn't write at age two, but uh, ever since I could, uh, I could write stories, I did. Since I was a kid, let's say. Mm. Uh, I used to write little stories. That's just what I did. Not... I just, you know, sit around, I'm going to be a writer or anything like that. It, it wasn't like a dream of mine or anything. It's just something I did. And then with age, I, I started to write more complex stories about uh, things I observed. And, you know, when you do something like that and people around you, you know, why do you keep doing it? Well, why don't you do it more seriously? Why, uh, you know, uh, they try to turn in your hobby to something uh, more serious. I'm like, sure, why not? <laughs> so I started publishing that first story I wrote was like about a little kid. It, it looks like a children's story. The reason for that is that I wrote it because when I was uh, 12. I wrote like a rough version of it when I was uh, 12. And, uh, you know, kids coming up upon an egg and a magic egg and he can hear, he can talk with animals and things like that. I wrote it like decades ago. So I, I like I got it out of the tomb. It was, I don't know why I had left it. Yeah. And so I uh, made it, I added details to it some modifications and uh, then that was my first uh, publication. So what is Garvey Feinstein Hollywood Predator all about? Well, when you see the title, you might remember, you might, you might recall someone with a similar name. <laughs> well, it's about that someone. I'm not going to refer to him. I'm just going to refer to him as that guy. Yeah. And, and yeah, so it, it's about that. When well, I read the stories like everyone else in the news and everything, and it basically struck me that the whole thing was wasn't just something about some guy who was raping women or who's uh, pressuring them, blackmailing them and everything. It was, uh, the whole thing was weird. Uh, when you read about the, the people around him, how they basically actively enabled that, not just tolerated it, but actively enabled it. He built an entire system of, it's like a machine, uh, a yeah. well-oiled machine where basically women just went in and Everybody around him, basically his assistants, his colleagues, they all uh, enabled that. Some of them enabled that at the entry when the women came in. Some mm. of that tried to pick up the pieces afterwards. And it was like a, it was a shadow company, an mm. entire business. Uh, and that struck me like uh, it was reported, but uh, nobody dwelled on it, like the details of it. And, you know, it's just weird how something like that gets accepted and built. So my, my interest was piqued like by that, by all that weirdness that surrounded the, the, the actual rapes and everything. And so I started writing about that. I tried to reconstruct the whole thing. 
No, I didn't reconstruct it like literally how it happened, but mm-hmm. the whole machinery of it, I did it in the book. And I think that was the very story itself where, you know, the guy didn't just rape women, but it was the whole degrees of coercion. Yeah. Uh, he went through the whole demut, you know, I mean, if, if we can call it degrees of coercion, there's, which can go from pressure to uh, basically uh, harassment into threats, into blackmail, into right. actual uh, force, into physical force. He, basically, the whole thing happened. And the story, like, basically wrote itself. And I didn't write it literally. Uh, all the names were changed. But basically, most of the names have actual counterparts in reality. Even those mentioned like casually or briefly, they have their actual counterparts. And a lot of them sound like them. And yeah, it, it was a weird story. And I, so I tried to retell it and go into all the, uh, all the little details, even though I changed parts of that. Yeah. Would you classify it as satire or erotica or, or both? Right. Yeah, it's uh, it could be both, you know, because parts of it are, you know, are a, a little humorous, and even that the humor sort of wrote itself. Uh, there are instances which just they were just weird, and so yeah, there, there are parts that are humorous. Some things I added myself, like he hired a pickup artist to help him with women. <laughs> I, that didn't happen, to my knowledge. That didn't happen in reality. Uh, but what actually happened in reality, what everybody told about him, is that. He was uh, really uh, clumsy and uh, like the guy wasn't smooth enough and uh, with women, with everybody, uh, basically. Mm. But he was rich. So what, what, what is he going to do? He hired a pickup artist to help him with that. And that, so there are, yes, there are humorous, even if in, uh, unintentionally, uh, aspects of it. And yeah, and of course, there's the, well, the guy basically, there was one thing in his mind, which was uh, sex with women. Yeah. To have women. So obviously there's the... the I don't call it sexy, but yeah, it's erotica, okay, aspect of it. Uh, so that's that too. But when I started writing, I wasn't going to, you know, oh, that's, I'm going to write erotica and plus humor. That, that's not how it, uh, it was planned. It wasn't planned at all. But, you know, that's, those are just the elements of the story, the actual story as it happened and as it, uh, as it came along, as it was written. So, yeah, yeah it happened, but naturally. So you you kind of had an idea where your story was going, but you didn't like plan it out. That kind of just happened naturally. That's right. Yes, I didn't pick up the genres. I didn't know where it was going. So I had a rough uh, idea about what happened because I read uh, the, about the whole thing. Uh, as I said, because I found it weird, especially that the whole uh, you know the whole organization he made around just. You know, it's like you could construct a whole business around just you trying to get women. That's that's weird. Uh, yeah. It's, it's not, not like a business where, let's say, the pickup artist, he helps like other men. No, he, he wasn't trying to help just himself. That's how I started to write it. So there was one assistant that took care of the women coming in. And there was the other one took care of the women coming out. Then there was that lawyer who tried to shut them up. And that's how I start to construct the story. And then I filled it up by reading some here, some of that, some of what happened, changing some things. Mm-hmm. And I just wrote the, the story. And then, you know, when you write, you try to paint the yeah. events. You don't just write coldly. Uh, you try to paint with adjectives and everything. And basically, that's how the story gets written. And so there were obviously, uh, there was one thing in his mind and that thing happened a lot. So, you know, that was a choice from the other. Like, do I write the sex stuff as they, as they believe happened? Well, uh, I did. I did, you know. Mm. If, if you're going to write the whole thing, I'm going to write the whole thing. And 
<laughs> I wrote about how he organized the whole thing, how they came in, how they got out. So yeah, uh, why not that? Yeah. So yeah. basically, it was a recount of what happened in a more, in a detailed way, uh, with some modifications and plus in, you know, the usual storytelling way where you try to, you know, uh, paint the events and link them up naturally and smoothly. And that's basically what it's all about. Yeah. Well, you, you took some creative liberties. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. yeah. You, know, you know, I mean, people, let's, let's say some people are going to want to read about that to know about what happened. Not literally, but to get a feel. Right. How it happens, how these things go there. Okay, they're going to they're gonna read about that. There's, there's the lurid part of it, but there's also the entertainment part of it. Okay, so someone who wants to, uh, yeah. wants to read a novel or watch a movie or anything, he or she also wants to be uh, entertained, at the very least. So there was some of that. Yeah. Okay, there's the suspense, uh, the, the thrilling aspects, what's going to happen. So I took some liberties, not in that aspect, but also uh, there are the events itself. Like in the end, when he fell, okay, mm. that I changed quite a lot because, you know, he didn't just fell like that. He, uh, in, in reality, then he was just uh, called out by some, some actresses and some of the people there. Mm-hmm. And, and that was it. And that was pretty anticlimactic. You know, like the guy was there and basically uh, people told on him. That's it. And then he fell. Yeah. That, that was basically how the scandal broke. And, you know, it's a little hard to make a story out of that. Yeah. That was a scandal, media scandal and everything, but it was not. So uh, the way he fell, that, that was changed. But yeah, pretty much everything else, it was only uh, minor detail uh, changes. Okay. All right. I love the way you opened the story because, I, I mean, I just felt like way to grab the readers with the first sentence because it, it starts off innocently enough. And then right after the first sentence, bam, goes down the rabbit hole, so to speak. I was wondering if you would mind reading the first paragraph. I feel like it really gives the reader a clear picture of your character in just a few short sentences. Okay, first of all, Garvey finds seeing a dreamy boy with fire in his heart. Garvey's dream revolves primarily around his love for the movies and, not least, for the opposite sex. As to the fire, it was fanned partly by his natural hormonal inclinations, testosterone perhaps, but also by resentment resentment for not always fitting in, for being left out of many a social setting, and for having felt like the odd one out all too often in his life. Yeah. So that's basically the premise. This is from uh, certain, I don't know, allegations of the people around him that he didn't always fit in when he was a kid and things like that. So basically I made the connection since uh, some of the witnesses and everything said that he didn't always fit in, he wasn't smooth with people and everything like that. So naturally, I tied all of this uh, into the story, mm-hmm. uh, you know, since he did all that. Maybe that has something to do with uh, with how he turned out. Maybe not, but uh, I tied it in anyway. Yeah, I think it does because it addresses real life issues like the bullying, like not fitting in. And I feel like those behaviors as a child, not to excuse his behavior as an adult, but that kind of behavior and and that kind of, you know, being left out or being bullied over and over and over again, make kids turn into not nice people like they can this one became a sexual predator, that one became a high school shooter or even a serial killer. Yeah, people cope however they can. And it does, uh, it does fuel resentment. And that resentment doesn't doesn't usually go away overnight. So I don't know if that's that. Uh, Maybe it's uh, what what I believe what I like, uh, conveyed in the in the story is that 
it was partly that and partly just his natural, you know, uh, male urges, which were may- maybe uh, like more severe for his case, let's say. Mm-hmm. But uh, yes, that was that. And, you know, as I said, it was mentioned by some of the people around him. I don't know if he was bullied and they read that, but he was uh, felt left out, as you say. He didn't, uh, he was a little awkward. It mm-hmm. was awkward and uh, he didn't feel like he fit in all too often. So, yeah, he was felt left out. And, you know, I, I made the connection that it was partly because of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, could be, could, uh, could not be, but uh, that usually plays out. Like you say, uh, a lot of shooters and st- things like that are, are usually bullied or uh, ostracized. So there's that, uh, I, forgot, I forgot his name. Uh, that was a California shooter who did it specifically. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because of that, because he couldn't get girls. That was his thing. And he wrote, wrote a manifesto. So, yes, there are people who cope with things like that in violent or toxic ways. So that could very well be due to that, at least partly. Yeah. I mean, you know, those are extreme circumstances, but they do happen. They do happen, but sometimes they're not even the primary reason, but they add to uh, the severity of the lash of the lashing out. Absolutely. So maybe he's just a horny guy, like, who's just, uh, you know, maybe yeah. <laughs> that's his natural inclination to uh, chase skirts and everything. But it's one thing to go around and try to get women, but to try to do it like in that black melee thing and in the, try to coerce them into it and everything, that's not a regular audience. What I presume is that this, uh, his inadequacies uh, helped uh, push him into that. Now, in your story, does Garvey have any redeeming qualities at all? Yeah, not really. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I could have mentioned some of them, not, not directly, but indirectly in the story. But when you know someone personally, even if he's messed up in his social life, they can be a regular person, not, not necessarily a great guy. He wasn't a great guy, even with the people who were close to him. He wasn't necessarily a great guy. Mm. But, you know, he, he could be a good enough guy to be tolerated so you can live with him and be with him. He was no great guy by any means. He alternated between horrible and okay. Mm. Uh, he had okay moments and horrible moments. Yeah. Now, I feel like your book is the kind of book where people are either going to absolutely love it or absolutely not, just because of the content, the subject matter. Has that been your experience? And what kind of feedback have you received from readers? Actually, I didn't get a lot of hate. Oh, I don't really get a lot of hate. Yeah, so... That, there was criticism, but that it was spirit. Uh, one says that was glorifying rape. Yeah, I don't think I did, but mm. uh, you know, I, I mean, listen, a, a lot of novels are of this lurid. It's no more lurid than uh, many, uh, many similar novels, which you could classify as erotica. But this was based on a real story. So there's always a section of people that, that say that uh, you're glorifying this, you're glorifying that. Even when they say, when they make a story about some serial killer, we hear that. Listen, the guy. From start to finish, uh, he was a bad guy, and he got his due. Everybody around it, even when I told, not from when the characters are talking, when I'm the one telling the story, I'm telling him from the viewpoint that he's getting his due. Mm. So, you know, if you're going to tell the story of someone getting his due, in the end, you got to tell why he's getting his due. Right. So, you know, you have to tell it. Uh, you have to tell what he did, exactly, what he did. And uh, I wasn't just going to gloss over, you know, it can be ugly and you have to paint it how it was. Yeah. So that was basically the main uh, criticism. Because they said it was clear that it wasn't a pro-Garvey story, even though it was a, the protagonist, right. quote unquote, but it, was, it wasn't a pro-Garvey story by any means. 
Yeah. Well, our reviewer loved the story. <laughs> she thought it was very oh. entertaining. She said, well, she said it was a little creepy, but it was entertaining, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, the guy was creepy. So, but yeah, yeah exactly. So. It fits. So, but yeah, she thought it was really interesting. And, you know, you've got to take it for what it is. It's pure entertainment. Yeah, there is an entertainment. There is, you could say, a voyeur part of it. Uh, because not everyone follows the scandal uh, with the, in the details. Uh, so not everyone right. knew how uh, the whole thing was enabled. So there is a voyeur part of it, how these things happen on the inside. It, it was based on as many accounts of it as I heard. Obviously, again, uh, some modifications, some changes. But so, yes, uh, there is... Uh, the entertainment, the voyeur, the just the curiosity, how these things happen. Yeah. Now, one thing I wanted to mention is your cover is amazing. I mean, it's kind of creepy, but it's amazing because I feel like it really represents what you're going to experience when you start reading. I mean, yeah. that guy. So how did you come up with your cover design? Did you work with an illustrator? Did you have the, an idea in mind or how did you create your cover? Yep, I had the idea while I was writing it. Uh, it was way before I finished because that's exactly, you know, that feeling, that creepy feel. That's exactly what I, what I got, even when I wrote it myself. <laughs> so, yeah, that's the guy. That's my guy. Yes, I worked with most illustrator. Uh, you know what I did? I took a story of the actual guy. Uh, it was in, I don't know, it's sort of a gala or whatever. It was in a suit, a three-day beard. And it, that, was the, that was that picture. I told the illustrator, draw someone who looks like him, but not identical to him. Like right. this guy, but not identical to this guy. And she did. Then I said, add some threatening aura, some, uh, you know, you have to get some bad vibes from him. And then the dark was added and the thing around, you know, the, the light around his eye. And I, and I mentioned that it, he has to be ugly because the actual guy was ugly. You know, I tried to, <laughs> uh, at the same time, remain faithful and at the same time, not be... Uh, 100% identical to him because, you know, after right. all, it's Garvey Feinstein, not the actual guy. So that's how it went. Well, your illustrator did an amazing job. She'll be flattered. I, I told her myself, you know, I, I told her I was satisfied. Usually, you know, for the first book, it had to be like three times done and redone. And yeah. she did it like the first time. It had to be creepy. That's, uh, you know, that vibe that you got, that was the intended purpose. Of it. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, I had to feel, even though I wrote it myself, I had to feel creeped out by it backed by it so yeah that was that and yeah she did a good job <laughs> yes she did she did now your bio which for a writer i've got to say your bio is the shortest bio i've ever read so <laughs> yeah yeah you know, you're being humble huh yeah that's that's some of that you know uh when it comes to the bio i because these are just my beginnings let's say formally when it comes to formal writings yeah and uh well Let's say if uh, if I sort of take off, even if moderately, then I'm gonna you know uh, out myself to the real world because I'm not. This is my real name. Yeah. Uh, this is a pen name, and I'm not even from the West. I'm I'm, I'm a recent immigrant. I came to Canada last year, so you know I'm very new. Um, yeah. Do you have family and friends that did they know you were writing, or were they surprised that you put out a book, or did they even know? I know you're using a pen name, so. Yeah, that's that's the million dollar question. <laughs> they, they don't know. They, they don't know that I'm, you know, because uh, the very first book, uh, it was with my actual name. So they knew that. Mm -hmm. uh, but then, you know, I, as I said, I immigrated far away from home. Mm. So they, they have no idea what I'm doing. Or even, I'm still, even if I'm still writing. Yeah. So yeah, I like it was a start a new uh, 
you know, that, there's that immigrant uh, energy, you know, when you, maybe if, even if, when you immigrate internally, if you move to a new city or something, you got the energy with you, you know, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to write a story about some guy who did this and I'm going to, so I did that. And, uh, you know, that, that was the energy I brought with me and uh, I love just it. came with moving. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, no, no one knows. And they'd be very like, if they actually read the book, if they knew about it and read it, they'll be uh, very surprised to say the least. Yeah. <laughs> I can imagine my mother reading, reading that, reading that. Wow. That's like, that's what it goes to into his, is my, into my boy's sick mind. Is that what <laughs> how it goes? So, you know. Oh my so goodness. She, she'd be very, yeah, she'd be very surprised. But you know, they'll know sooner or later. I'm not gonna maybe into my third fourth book they'll end up knowing yeah yeah um, by then uh, yeah so what are they gonna do all right it's done uh, yeah. it's done yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a done deal <laughs> so what's next for you do you have another story you're planning on working on yep i do i i'm, I'm almost done with it it's uh, a story about uh, a bunch of lgbt uh, folks who uh, basically they go into an island there's an island in new york like an, an inhabited island by new york brother's island i think it was its, it, its name and they go there they're friends mostly mostly lgbt not all of them so they go there uh, as part of, they, they don't live in new york but they, they go there to, just to go into that island and they sneak in because you can't just get in there into that island so they sneak in they pay they pay off some dude and whatever they, they just want to spend there a few days and then things happen <laughs> that's how it goes things oh. happen and yeah so you say you're almost through with it do you have any idea when it will be ready for publication or or not yet uh before this year ends i believe this book like 90 percent sure or 95 percent sure before this year ends okay wow yeah, yeah. good for you yeah yeah because i'm 90 percent into it or maybe 95 percent into it let's say between september and december okay well good well, Julian, thank you so much for joining us today and for sharing a little bit about you and your work. It was really interesting, and I'm excited to well, see what you come up me. with next. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Thank you for joining me today for my interview with Julian Trist, author of Garvey Feinstein, Hollywood Predator. To learn more about Julian Trist and his work, visit his website at juliantrist.com. And be sure to check out our other interviews on InsideScoopLive.com.